This week in KMA Land, Page County takes another step toward pipeline ordinance. Drag show debate enters the Page County Courthouse. Solemn Memorial Day services in Shenandoah. Ron DeSantis campaigns in Council Bluffs. Peggy Whitson and the Axiom 2 crew return to Earth. And Shen Senior Villa Construction Project accelerates. I'm Mike Peterson. Page County officials took another step this week toward a potential hazardous liquid pipeline ordinance. Meeting in special session Tuesday morning, the county's Board of Supervisors unanimously approved signing an engagement letter with Tim Whipple of Allers and Cooney for developing a pipeline ordinance. The board hired Whipple for the services last month. The move comes as the board could have roughly seven miles of Summit Carbon Solutions proposed Midwest Express pipeline cutting through the western portions of the county toward Green Plains Shenandoah plant. Supervisors Chair Jacob Holmes says the engagement letter is the next step in getting Whipple before the board. Voted to hire him, and now yep. this is signing this thing and being preliminary talks with and just even ask questions about the next phase, maybe, and just see how far we want to go or not. The board identified a carbon pipeline ordinance earlier this year as one item to tackle. Reading from the engagement letter, Supervisor Judy Clark says there are a few different ways that Whipple can assist the county. We've had 10 regular and special meetings of the Board of Supervisors and other meetings with state officials or pipeline company representatives as necessary and in each instance as may be requested by the county. However, Clark also expressed concerns over implementing an ordinance given the ongoing lawsuit in Shelby County filed by Summit where the project was also supposed to run after the supervisors passed stricter pipeline regulations. But Holmes feels it wouldn't be a bad idea to start at least putting together their ideas for an ordinance before a ruling in the case. I talked to a couple of Shelby County and different county supervisors about it, and they said, kind of, you want to get your ideas in order. So depending on what happens, you're ready to go. Similar ordinance discussions have been ongoing in Montgomery County. However, no action has been taken on the proposed regulations since a hearing earlier this year. In other business, the board held a public hearing and approved a $260,000 amendment to the current fiscal year 2023 budget. From carbon pipeline projects, we turn our attention to another hot topic of discussion, drag shows. Meeting in regular session Thursday morning, the county's Board of Supervisors, by a two-to-one vote, approved a liquor license renewal for Jackie Blue LLC, or Jacklins. However, there was some pushback from residents and hesitation from some board members in approving the license due to the venue recently holding drag shows. But Supervisor Todd Mayer, who joined Supervisor Judy Clark in voting in favor of the renewal, says there is a difference between morality and legality, with only the latter applying to whether they should renew the license. They are a private business that has entitled to do what they want at their business as long as it falls under legal guidelines not so much moral guidelines. Uh, now, being say, saying that as a Christian, which I am, I struggle with that now, but also I believe that people have the right to choose what they're going to support. The Iowa legislature has considered legislation that would ban minors from drag shows, but Mayer says, at least according to his knowledge, the majority of the shows in the county have required attendees to be at least 21 years old, and there's no ordinance in the county to prevent such events. Supervisors Chair Jacob Holmes cast the lone dissenting vote. Holmes says he morally disagrees with the decisions made by the business to hold drag shows and feels that it crosses a line of morality that he can't support. Myself, I, I'm going past into these strange perversions and these, these shows and things. I don't want anything to do with that. So I will, on that note, 
promote something in that way. So I don't have to understand it or no, I won't do it. But uh, they've crossed the line. I'm not going to support that. Anyway. Holmes pointed to a portion of the Iowa Code that says applications for a liquor license must have a good moral character as part of his reason for objecting to the renewal. However, Clark says no matter their personal feelings, they have a legal obligation to renew the permit. Even though we maybe personally don't agree with what's going on there, I think we have a legal um, obligation to this business that's in Page County um, to approve the liquor license because that's all they're asking for is the liquor license. Ultimately, despite his personal beliefs and not always agreeing with everything businesses do in the county, including drag shows, Mayher says it's up to county citizens to choose where businesses they want to patronize. So my thought is that, you know, the, the people, you know, the citizens of the county can make a choice whether they're going to support establishments like that um, if there's no money and there's no support for that, these businesses will not probably, you know, go after that type of uh, things. In other business, the board discussed formulating a summary of wind ordinance changes for County Attorney Carl Songson to put into a new ordinance draft and heard an update from the county libraries in their summer programming. Shenandoah residents gathered on a picturesque Memorial Day to remember the nation's war debt. Following the traditional parade from the old armory to Rose Hill Cemetery, residents gathered around the Tomb of the Unknowns in the Veterans Memorial Circle to mark the annual Memorial Day services. Rows upon rows of American flags dotted the cemetery as speakers paid tribute to soldiers who perished in previous wars while defending the country. Shenandoah Mayor Roger McQueen was the keynote speaker for this year's services. McQueen tells KMA News he was honored to return for the traditional services. I really appreciate the Legion letting me do this. Uh, and the reason I did do that was last year. It was so windy and I had so many people say, I wish we could have heard what you said. So I went ahead and uh, thought we would do the same one. I think the message is the same for any Memorial Day, you know, and so I, I felt that uh, we had a perfect day. McQueen emphasized the importance of ensuring the tradition of honoring the nation's fallen veterans continues throughout the next generations. The ones that are coming behind us have to understand, you know, World War One, World War Two, even if we go back to the Civil War, how important these were in the history of our, our country. And so if we do not stop and take at least 24 hours a year to uh, um, memorialize them. You know, we have to, and I think it's very important that we continue to uh, show people that what it means to respect and, and to uh, honor these veterans. Shenandoah High School's Marching Mustangs, under the direction of Dale Risher, opened the services with a performance of the Star-Spangled Banner, followed by the traditional laying of wreaths of the Tomb of the Unknowns and members of Shenandoah's American Legion Post Number 88 performing a three-volley salute. McQueen adds that Memorial Day also holds some significance to him, and his first boss, Danny Dankoff, spent four years with the U.S. Marine Corps, followed by four with the U.S. Air Force. I'll always remember some of the things he taught me, so I think he, he's the reason I've, got, I've uh, probably done things more common sense than educated. You know? He never wanted to be recognized as a hero, but in my mind, he always was. So, you know, I, I thought what he did was very honorable. And 24 area veterans have passed away since last Memorial Day, whose names were read during the ceremony. Monday's ceremony concluded with the playing of taps by two Shenandoah High School band members. Signs of the 2024 presidential campaign were evident in KMA land this week with the appearance of a major contender for the Republican nomination. I have news for everybody. Our great American comeback starts by sending Joe Biden back to his basement in Delaware. <laughs>
Florida Governor Ron DeSantis stopped by Council Bluffs as part of the opening stint to his 2024 presidential campaign. DeSantis stopped in Sioux City earlier Wednesday morning and headed to Pella and Cedar Rapids to wrap up his Iowa tour. Speaking to a packed room at the Grass Wagon wedding venue, DeSantis says Iowa and Florida are leading the charge in what he calls the great American comeback. Florida and Iowa are working. Some of these leftist states are failing. And the policies explain everything. And I remember being up here a few months ago and someone had written something about, man, Iowa's doing a lot of great stuff like Florida. There, there may be the Florida of the North. And I said, you know, yeah. But then I started looking to seeing all the good stuff they're doing. And I said, you know, uh, maybe Florida's the Iowa of the South. However, DeSantis faces a significant challenge in the GOP primary and former President Donald Trump who announced his 2024 bid earlier this year and leads the Florida governor in the polls. But DeSantis focused on policy Wednesday and touted the various legislative accomplishments in his state, ranging from parental choice in education to a six-week abortion ban bill. He's also been able to sign the heartbeat bill, the strongest pro We enacted the largest expansion of parental school choice in the history of the United States, universal education savings accounts. We uh, bolstered Second Amendment rights by enacting constitutional carry, and we became the 26th state. Post-secondary education was also a topic addressed during the event. DeSantis says he believes in a school system prioritizing education over indoctrination, calling for continued diversifications of the educational opportunities available to individuals after high school graduation. Yes, K-12 important and beyond important, but a four-year brick and ivy university is not the only way you can get, you can become successful. In fact, it's not the best way for many people. So we do a lot on vocational education and on workforce education. You know, you can go and become a truck driver now. Walmart will hire you for 110000 After announcing his campaign last week on Twitter, DeSantis opened his campaign trail in West Des Moines Tuesday night. He also visited other early voting states, including New Hampshire and South Carolina, as the week progressed. All good things must come to an end, even space missions. AX2 is back on Earth. Flight controllers celebrating the return of Axiom 2, which splashed down in the Atlantic Ocean off the Florida coast after 10 p.m. Central Time Tuesday evening. KMA Land native Dr. Peggy Whitson and three crew members, pilot John Schaffner and Saudi Arabian astronauts Alia Kwarni and Rihanna Barnaby, completed a 10-day private space mission aboard the International Space Station. During the mission, the crew completed more than 20 experiments, including some STEM-related activities. SpaceX officials welcomed Whitson and the crew after the Crew Dragon splashdown. Peggy, John, Ali, Rihanna, on behalf of SpaceX, welcome home. Well, in SpaceX, we would like to tell you that was a phenomenal ride. <laughs> we really enjoyed all of it. You're the best. Tuesday night splashdown came several hours after the SpaceX Crew Dragon capsule undocked with the ISS. In an emotional farewell on Monday, Woodson thanked the Expedition 69 crew aboard the ISS for their support during the AX2 mission. This crew has been amazing, the Expedition 69 crew. They have welcomed us here with such hospitality and warmth that it's been somewhat overwhelming and Frank told me I couldn't cry, but I'm like, if I say anything that means anything to me, it's going to happen. So anyway, these guys, they welcomed us on board and they've helped us a lot, but uh, 
they've also just been so courteous and and kind and we really appreciate all of that we felt at home while we were here thank you and i will be back with her fourth space mission under her belt the beaconsfield iowa native added to her u.s record for most time spent in space with 674 days axiom's ultimate goal is to build an orbiting commercial space station with the first module scheduled for launch in 2025 from a concrete pad in April to a three-story building two months later, construction of Shenandoah's new senior apartment project continues at a dizzying pace. Considerable progress is evident at the future site of the Senior Villa apartment complex at 1401 West Sheridan Avenue. Crews poured 200 yards of concrete on the site's pad earlier this spring. Paul Laughlin is construction superintendent with Kester Construction of Grimes, the project's general contractor. Laughlin tells KMA News teamwork between the project's various subcontractors spurred the complex's rapid growth over the past several weeks. Oh, they're phenomenal. Everybody's busting their butt. You know, blueprints aren't perfect. Everybody has worked together well to to uh, to overcome the, the challenges, the questions, the, the lack of. And uh, it's just been great teamwork. Laughlin says improved weather conditions combined with having a foundation to work with expedited construction. Now that we got out of the ground, I mean, going vertical, we got a, we got a cement base to work off of, so that really helped. And yes, the weather has cooperated. We got the uh, shingles on, all the windows in a few weeks ago, so we're dried in. So we've released all the, all the team members on the interior part of the project and we're just rock and roll. When completed, the complex will offer 40 units for occupants ages 55 and up. Laughlin, however, warns of one obstacle on the horizon, a supply delivery delay that could push electrical service installation back to early winter of next year. Electrical gear is a problem. Right now, they're talking February for electrical gear. We cannot turn over this building without electricity. So even if we get down early, we're going to get held up with, by, via the electrical gear unless something changes. Laughlin asked for patience in the public as construction continues. He thanks the City of Shenandoah and the Shenandoah Chamber and Industry Association for their assistance and cooperation during the construction phase. Red Oak officials are exploring upgrading the city's fire truck fleet. Meeting in special session Tuesday night, the Red Oak City Council unanimously approved drafting up a resolution of support from the city to purchase a new rescue pumper for the Red Oak Fire Department and discussed various funding opportunities. Red Oak Fire Chief John Bruce says the new vehicle would replace a 1989 truck that has failed a pump test inspection each year since 2019. Additionally, he says the age of the vehicle has begun to show. We band-aided it and band-aided it to the point where it's just it's just no longer viable to even try to use it. It completely has none of the new safety standards, as you can see, and like I said, it's 34 years old. They're even having troubles finding parts for these trucks now. Um, and, of course, everything's getting more expensive out there. Yeah, and safety standards typically recommend not using equipment that is 25 years or older. Brian Hammond is a lieutenant with the fire department and also led the department's truck committee. Hammond says the cab would be similar to their current aerial truck, but he adds there would be a few upgrades over similar trucks in their fleet, including additional rescue bodies. So that gives us additional cabin space on both sides. That allows us to carry more hoses, more extrication tools, fire equipment, whatever it may be. And then this truck will have 1,000 gallons of water, um, which currently our frontline truck carries about 750. 
So it may not seem like a lot in town, but in the country, 250 extra gallons of sheepage. Bruce says they have been looking into replacing the 89 truck for several years, but the finances had never entirely lined up for nearly $1 million purchase. He adds a potential wait time once they order the vehicle is roughly three and a half years. First, however, Bruce adds they need to move on to a purchase agreement to lock in the cost. Even to say right now, um, if we move forward with this project, you're still looking at that. So that was another part of this is to keep dragging it and dragging it. And now we're getting farther and farther out. Once we sign the agreement, that locks that price in. But right now they're saying approximately every 90 days we could see a, a material hike until we lock it in. But you don't pay for the truck until delivery. Currently, the city is looking at financing a couple of housing development projects along with a new fire truck through general obligation bonds. Chip Schultz is with Northland Securities and assisted the city in its previous geo bond efforts. Due to the city's geo debt falling off for the coming fiscal years, even estimating $5.1 million in geo bonds for two housing projects, the fire truck and renovations to the fire station, Schultz says the city has room to finance the project without spiking the city's debt service levy. With scenario D, the broadest project's scope, your peak future debt service levy is $3.40. So it's a, a dime lower than your $3.50 levy for next year. It's at that $3.40 for one year, then it drops down to $3.30, and then drops down to $2.95 beginning in fiscal year 26 27. Schultz also presented four other proposals, which included varying numbers of projects. Bruce says his department would prefer the purest manufacturing proposal primarily to provide consistency across their various engines and accessibility to mechanics. The council plans to revisit a resolution of support for purchasing a new fire truck at its regular meeting on Monday. Area education agency officials are concerned about the ramifications of another round of cuts to their state funding. In the waning hours of the 2023 Iowa legislative session, lawmakers approved the fiscal year 2024 budget that included a nearly $5 billion cut to the AA's standing appropriation from the state, which has now brought the total up to roughly $30 million in lost funding over the past six years. Dr. Jason Plord is the chief administrator for Green Hills AEA, assisting over 40 school districts throughout southwest Iowa in providing special education services. Plord tells KMA News the additional cuts come when the need for therapeutic and social work is rising. However, he adds they had to wait to expand those services due to having to reduce their number of employees. And what's unique about our services is we provide them in the school. So if you think about a a family of poverty or a family in rural Iowa that is struggling to find therapeutic services for their child, we're able to provide those right in the school. And, and those services have increased. We've had to, three years ago, we had four master social workers served about 150 students. And over the last three years, we've had to double that. We have nine now and we have over 300 referrals. So the referrals have doubled over the last three years. And, and, you know, we needed that funding to at another master level social worker. Additionally, Plord says they've also had to cut a math consultant and school improvement specialist position to help make up the difference for the coming school year due to the cuts being made so late in the session. Early in the session, Governor Kim Reynolds signed into law educational savings accounts, which provide families nearly $7,600 to send their children to private schools. Our report notes that the ADA does not receive funding for assisting students with an individual education plan in private schools. While we get funded for students with IEPs, individual education plans, students with special needs, 
uh, in public schools, we actually don't get funded for uh, students who attend uh, private schools with those special needs. And so, so these budget cuts come at a time when we anticipate an influx of students with special needs to private schools. And we're responsible for serving those students. Naomi Corey is a Pottawatomie County resident and mother to three sons who utilize gifted end services through Green Hills AEA. Corey tells KMA News she's concerned about funding cuts to an agency that was vital to her children's education and helped turn them into successful adults. It helped their classroom teachers immediately implement some things for them. Um, it also helped me as a parent. I was through the parenting classes. I was able to learn how to advocate for my child and their rights as a learner and the, the rights of a gifted ed learner in the state of Iowa. Corey called on the legislature to allow for some backfilling to make up for the cuts. Additionally, given the expected influx of special education students attending private schools, Plourd says the AA hopes with the state legislature to update the agency's funding formula. We need to account for that in the, in the funding formula, uh, as well as, you know, we serve mostly rural schools and communities. And really, I would say kind of the, the piece that I would ask community members and those listeners that are listening right now is realizing that a cut to AEA is really a cut to rural schools, you know, families and communities. So we're just asking everybody to band together, talk to your representatives like Naomi does, and um, just let them know the value and the, the sport of local AEAs, how important that is. For more information on the Green Hills AEA and its services or upcoming events, visit ghaa.org. Shenandoah school officials are hailing another successful year of a non-traditional education program. Approximately 181 students were enrolled in the district's IGNITE program during the 2022-23 school year. IGNITE stands for Inspire Greatness, Never-Ending Imagination, and Tailor-Made Education. Shenandoah School Superintendent Dr. Carrie Nelson and IGNITE program coordinator Denise Green recapped the program's second full year on KMA's Morning Line program Tuesday morning. Nelson says IGNITE combines online learning and hybrid learning opportunities with an emphasis this past year on work-based experiences. One of the pieces that we're developing and we've spent a lot of time on in recent months has been really developing the work-based learning component and tying the hybrid and the work-based learning component together. But it allows a lot of different options for students to attend high school. Green says the program's enrollment grew in the middle of the school year. In addition to Iowa's new open enrollment laws, Green says Ignite's alternative education approach lowered students in all grade levels. Other students are looking for a non-traditional way in kindergarten through 12th grade for education, and, and parents are too, and it's very flexible. Um, there's a lot of parents that have different job hours, um, and it allows them to see their students and work with their students. Many high school students also attended classes at Iowa Western Community College and Tarkio Tech. Green says their partnership is vital to the program. Tarkio Tech is a one-year program for any of the areas that they do, so they um, we sent students in welding, nursing, HVAC, and IT this year. And the students will come out with a certificate that is nationally certified. And, you know, it, it's just huge for those kids to be able to do that and then, you know, go into those areas. In a related note, some Shenandoah High School students are spending part of the summer on a housing renovation project. There are students involved with the high school's building trades program, addressing remaining items at 213 West Sheridan Avenue. 
Work began on the project in the spring of 2022 after the Shenandoah School District purchased the property from the city for $1. In that same Morning Line interview, Green says eight students work with SHS industrial tech instructor Jay Sweet throughout the school year onto the lapidated structure's full-scale renovation. They were down there about nine hours a week um, because they only worked in the afternoons. So it's not a lot of time to be down there, but while they're down there, they're learning. They're learning new things. Typically, they pair up and do projects together, and then Mr. Sweet will teach them the different skills that they need. Denise Green. That wraps up this week in KMA Land. Be listening each week at this time for This Week in KMA Land. And for more information all the time, log on to KMALand.com where you can also hear this program in its entirety. For the entire KMA News team, this is Mike Peterson. Thanks for joining us. Have a great weekend. This has been a presentation of KMA News.